Hello, good people. Welcome to The Chris Stefanik Show, the show that helps you find the joy that God made you for in the midst of everyday life. Don't miss us every week as we dive into real issues with real people and answer real questions. God bless you. Weed. It's, it's everywhere. There's more pot shops now in Colorado than there are coffee shops. It's a little disturbing. Is it good? Is it bad? What does the Catholic Church have to say about this? Does the church say anything about it? God made it. Doesn't that make it good? We're going to answer all these questions and more with my dear friend, Father Peter Musset. Thanks for being with us. Father Peter, thanks so much for being with me again, man. I love you. I love being with you. I love your grace, your energy, all of it. Seriously a pleasure. I love being here with you. Yeah, and, and when I thought about diving into the topic of weed, you were the first person that came to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, okay. Because <laughs> you live in Weed Central. I do, right? You're the, yeah. it's, it's in the People's Republic of Boulder, as we affectionately call it, yeah. <laughs> Colorado. Yeah. And, uh, the, and you're you know, a, a campus culture that is, that it really is kind of Weed Central. It is. Right? Uh, before we get into that, I, I want to talk a little about your vocation to the priesthood, because I had you on before. We talked about your, your conversion. I wanted to talk about your your next level experience of coming to the Lord with the priesthood, and we didn't get there. So I want to get there before uh, we hit the weed topic. And if you got questions, we will let you interrupt our conversation. I'm sure you're going to have them today. You could text in the number. What's that number, guys, in the studio? Pull that up real quick. We'll just make up a number. 720. What's your personal cell phone number? 720. <laughs> 650-0100. That's 720-650-0100 if you're watching live. By the way, if you're not watching live, you should start watching live. You can text in your questions. It's kind of cool. So uh, tell me about your vocation of the priesthood. Well, I uh, had a conversion November 20th, 1998. What was the date? Yeah, I broke my arm. I mean, that's like, that's it. That's like, you got to, yeah. rem- that's a stake in the ground. What feast day is that? I have no idea. You keep talking. I'm looking up what okay. feast day that is. So November 20th, 1998, had, a, had broke my arm, gave my life over to the Lord. It was beautiful, bountiful. Mm. February 20th, Edmund the Martyr, which I, the king of East Anglia. Okay, anyway, go ahead. All right, dude. That's, that's, Pray for us. That's, uh, that's some of my blood there. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm half cool. English. So. I'll take that. So February 20th, 1999. I'm praying. My father had given me when I was a young man the uh, breviary, so he had given. I, we had made a we had made a wedding present of a bed for my brother, and we would pray the psalms before we work, and then after we would work. Just, I mean, I, I I'm living the lush life with awesome. my, with my family. My father, what a gift! He's trying to grace, communicate yeah. grace, and I loved it. But I couldn't let him. So if you're praying with your kids and they don't seem like they like it, don't worry. Maybe they don't, but maybe they do. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're acting like they don't, but they do. But they do. And by the way, the whole arm brokes, broken story, you, you gotta, if you missed our last episode together, you got to look into it. It's an incredible, incredible journey. Yeah. Um, so I had, yeah, so I, I was praying the Psalms, I was praying night prayer, and um, the Holy Spirit came upon me. Well, actually, before I prayed night prayer, I had actually asked the Lord. I said I had some traumatic stuff when I was a kid, and I, and I said, for the first time, I actually asked the Lord, why? Mm. Not why, but why? Like, That's a hard question. It is a hard question. And, uh, and so, so I'm like, why? And then I'm praying the Psalms. And the Holy Spirit came upon me in a way that I was like lifted up to the heavens and firmly rooted on the ground. I had, needed, had to have no faith because God was present. I felt so enveloped by the Holy mm. Spirit. 
but it turns out that even after mystical experiences of grace, I mean, it's a, oh, yeah. I mean, it's like it's a low end mystical but it's experience. Real. It is real. You still have to go to sleep. So I yeah. so I I go to bed, and in the middle of the night, I ended. I was having a dream, and I had this gigantic afro. Because <laughs> I had a real one in this. I, I wish we could. We had footage of this. Dream. Oh man! Oh man! Uh, <laughs> uh, me too. So so I'm and I'm teaching all these white-haired little children, and there was so much love, and and I was wearing a Roman collar. Oh my gosh! And I woke up, and and I had ha been having this experience where I would look at my watch, and it would be like two twenty-two or five fifty-five, and it was happening kind of on the hour every hour and so I just let it be a prayer because I was like this can't be coincidence so I just was like Lord it's thanks. kind of funny when I see that I say I love you to Jesus it's one of those little built-in reminders that I think it's him. of course everything is him saying I love you so I, I just yeah. assign that to that that's cool right but and it made you think of the Lord yeah it's a real light grace it's not, yeah. not it's it's not it's not it's not something that is going to be super determinative except for in a certain instance for me Mm. So I woke up from the dream and I thought to myself, if it's 3.33 in the morning, because I love 3.33, it's Trinitarian, you got three oh, yeah. threes, oh, yeah. three persons, but then you got 33, Jesus' age, and I'm, I'm digging it. You know, I, I love it. I love The non-converted people are watching us right now thinking, you guys are so weird. Yeah. To which we'll say, yes, we own it, but we're yeah. happy. All, <laughs> okay, of, yeah. all of reality is sovereign, is, is under the sovereign rule of God. Yeah, so, it's true. So if you give him an opportunity for grace, he, he's, he is communicating in the ways that we listen. Yeah, why not through our dreams? Why not through the, we, we call it prayer when we talk to God, we call it crazy when we listen to God. Right. Right, it's, it's not crazy. And Joseph dream dreams, there's a history. There is a difference between a spiritual dream and a psychological processing dream. Mm. And the, the spiritual dream is one that is clear, it's on point, there's, it's not vague, it's not like, and then all of a sudden my turn, grandma, she turned into a throw pillow and you're like, you know, you're like, that's not, that's like, whatever. So My brother-in-law once dreamt that he was a piece of custard. What was it? He was a piece of custard. Someone, and he fell on the floor. Weird. <laughs> that's weird, man. We, it, we right. can do psychoanalysis on that. But no, I know what you're talking about because I've had that kind of dream where it's literally the Lord just like, whoa. Right. So I look over at the clock and it's 3.33 in the morning and all of a sudden my heart opened up. And I remember the time that I was eight years old. My dad went to, took me to go see the priest and said, consider being a priest. And he gave me the imitation of Christ at eight years old, which anybody who's read the imitation of Christ is like, but, but the pictures of it was Ariel Adjaman had these engravings and it was most precious blood virgin and they were mm. so beautiful. Mm. A Colorado artist, actually. Really? Yeah. And, uh, and so then, and then I thought about when I was in high school and I remember looking at the priest and I was like trying to find unique clothing because I was like, man, you got to be unique some with clothing. Yeah. And I looked at the priest and I was like, man, I, I wish I could just wear a chasuble. And for some reason, I decided to tell my dad. I'm like, dad, I wish I could just wear a chasuble. And he's like, well, you know, son, there is a way you can do that. And I was like, <laughs> la, 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 la. Like, and, then, and then all of By a sudden. a chasuble is what a priest is wearing during mass. Right? Yeah, exactly. Really cool thing. And, and it was just moment after moment after moment as I was sitting in my bed. And all of a sudden, I realized that I had been called from the beginning to be a priest. And that it was the answer that the trauma in my life was being answered by my call to be a priest. That he had allowed for the training of my soul. Mm. Um, and he had confidence in me. So that's pretty powerful. Oh. So I sat on the edge of my bed and I was like, well, yeah, we don't, the Lord. Yeah, we don't have to be afraid of anything. We don't have to be afraid of anything. Oh. He's, 
he, and, and my parents, they always say, if this is the training, what's the mission? If this is the training, what's the mission? Because, oh, boom, I love that. So, so. I got to rest there for a second. <sighs> that, that's, because when things happen to us, it's like, why did that happen to me? And the Lord's like, it happened for you. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't make it happen, but I did allow it to happen. There's a weird interaction of divine providence and his sovereignty with things that happen, right? It's the cross. Like, he didn't, he, he didn't force evil. He doesn't, evil doesn't come from God. But he doesn't let it happen with intentionality. No. Right? But, but he allows it for you. Yes. And so that's, that steeled your soul, that strengthened your soul for the priesthood. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible opened my soul I, for the priesthood oh. because because all of, because now the profound configurement to Christ means that we don't that we become more vulnerable to the world not less vulnerable the one who is in greater grace experiences reality more poignantly not mm. in greater numbness mm. you don't it, it, Jesus didn't numb out to a thing no. Mary didn't numb out to a thing the saints they don't numb out they're, they're not, they're experiencing it and... They're more alive. They're more alive. The pain is realer. Yeah, and it, and it strikes deeper. And this is what's super hard mm. and confusing. And I actually think that that, that, that call to the priesthood, um, because uh, uh, I was numbing out. Mm. And, uh, and when the Lord started to awaken my soul, he showed me how mm. kind of desperate um, my numbing was. And... The other day, I was uh, Father John Ricardo. Some of yeah, you may know him, guy. and uh, he was uh, doing our convocation. And he 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 made a he made a reference that somebody had said to him recently. We we expect more from a Tylenol than we do from the Eucharist. Whoa, man! We got have faith, dude. I'll tell you. Okay, uh, your reference to numbing out is the perfect transition to the topic at hand. <laughs> yeah, right? God is kind. <laughs> Weed. Weed. God made it, right? So what's the problem? Uh, I got I got to read a couple stats to you real quick. Hit me. Uh, all right. This this kind of blew my mind preparing for this this episode. Um, a lot of uh, there's there's in the in the campaign to legalize it in Colorado, it left a lot of people, especially young people, almost with the impression that this is a healthy alternative to alcohol. Like you know. Uh, literally, they feel healthier smoking weed. And check this out. And the, the law is a teacher, by the way. There's, a sh there's been a shift. Right. right. Uh, adults using rose from 13% to 19% since legalization. Uh, those who use daily has tripled. So one in 15 drinkers drink daily. One in five pot smokers smoke daily since it became legal. Teens who smoke are three times more likely to develop schizophrenia. My, my brother-in-law worked at a psych unit. He said almost everybody who came in with an episode, it was weed-induced. Like, this stuff isn't even talked about. Uh, Mary J. DUIs were up by 120% in Colorado. Uh, violent crime. This is kind of crazy. People always think it just, it just makes you peaceful. My only death threat I've ever gotten was from a Rastafarian. I, I, I wrote a story about uh, Bob Marley's conversion. His, his bishop wrote about how he was he's tears streaming down his face in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament before his death, which is not, not a well-known story because if you talk about it, you might get a death threat. And I did. I get, um, so 37% increase in murder, uh, in, a, in violent crime, 25% uh, increase in aggravated assault. Uh, incredible. Uh, decreases dopamine, which motivates people to do things. 
he's got teenagers doing this, right? And, and the state of Colorado is talking about, well, we've saved all this money in, uh, you know, in, in pot arrests. And, dude, how much money are you losing in productivity? Uh, so, um, how, how, <laughs> how have you seen this impact college kids? And, and how do you answer that question, well, if, if God made it? Yeah, and I'm sure you sometimes get questions about this in campus ministry. Always, I mean, yeah. uh, it, it's it's interesting actually. The question oftentimes comes with from my relationship with parents, mm. because I have a, a in campus ministry oftentimes. So I, I think that what happens is that the promise that it gives and what it fulfills, um, I, there's kind of a there's kind of a square that I like to to mm. see. The promise of religion and what it fulfills, the promise of weed and what it fulfills. Wow. Okay. What is weed? Uh, like four, four quadrants here, right? Right. And because I have parents that they're coming to me and they're involved in my ministry, but their kids are not. Because I think that, that weed oftentimes is a synthetic version of a spiritual life. It's mm. just a synthetic version. Say that again. It's weed, uh, marijuana, THC is a synthetic version of a spiritual life. So I feel like I have peace with the world, which you actually have to work really hard to have that. Yes. I feel like I've done nothing wrong and my conscience is clean, right? But I you, feel you, like we're best friends. I feel like I'm enlightened. Right, you take the, the four original harmonies, a harmony with God, harmony with self, harmony with neighbor, and harmony with creation. Do you feel those when you're getting blasted, taking some bong rips? Y yeah. Oh, hold on. All of a sudden, I'm I'm I look around and creation is vibrant and it's beautiful and wonderful and good. Whoa. You know, I'm I'm listening to music. All of a sudden, I feel like, dude, me and my friend, we're we're like we're at a concert and all of a sudden, every note is, we're feeling uh, the people who are making the music feeling each other. We're having a great time. Oh, and myself, all of a sudden, I feel some peace. Right? Like mm. like I'm okay with myself for a little while. And you know what? This is actually kind of a divine experience. Mm. This is divine. This is this is a, a a flower that has been given to us, and God made all the seed bearing trees and seeds of the earth for use. I mean, we'll get Genesis quoted all the time. Yeah. This is what's hard is it, um, to have a conversation with somebody about this to say that it, it, it the promise of that. Maybe you're having actually a, a synthetic version of that for a little while, but what does it feel like when you're starting to come down? What is it when you don't have any more? Can you have communion? Do you feel okay in yourself? Now all of a sudden you're get locked into a bad infinite. Now all of a sudden all of those promises. Bad infinite, define that. A bad infinite says that um, it's a feedback loop. I'm, I'm okay if I get this. If I don't have this, I'm not okay. So I get more, I get more, I need more. Now all of a sudden I'm distilling it. Now I'm doing dab, now I'm doing shatter. Now all of a sudden you're, it's so distilled and the, the experience has to, has to go deeper and deeper and deeper to have any sort of semblance of that original promise. Dang. And, and this is what's hard is, is that people are doing this because they want good things. You don't, you don't, you don't light a J just to, because you're looking for something evil or wicked. You're not, you're not doing these things so that all of a sudden you're like, oh man, you know what? I really want to throw my life away. Mm. Maybe know, somebody does that, but that's, but they're, but they're doing that because they want a good of communion with somebody else because they'll be rescued. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here, but the question is, what is the good? Because all the, the, and, but Thomas says that we choose goods for themselves. 
and then, but those goods may be impartial or in circumstances that, that take the goodness of it and actually transform it into something bad. Wow. You look at that in relationship to, to then um, the life in Christ. What does it promise? Limiting of freedom, obligation. Uh, it, it implies alienation. You don't get to play the reindeer games anymore, like virtue and mm -hmm. e effort. But what does it join in any reindeer games? Actually, oh, there, there, there you go, exactly. <laughs> but what does it fulfill? All of a sudden, the, the only friends that I've ever had that are enduring are the ones that I've found in Christ. Mm. I've uh, and and in uh, in friendship in the deepest kind of Aristotelian Thomistic sense mm. of like we share the same life, where a communion with God, communion with self. I feel at peace within myself. I go to confession. I mm. I end up hectic with myself. All of us do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. I feel at peace with my neighbor. And in creation, I get to see the profound metaphor Amen. that all things are meaningful, and I don't have to pay for it, and I don't forget it after I've encountered it. It is enduring. See, because all, all of those good things that you in, encounter, you end up forgetful. I don't care who you are. You, right. could, you can journal it all you want, and you can go back through your stone journals, but it's, it's ephemeral. It's being lost. And you don't, you don't grasp the profound things that you grasp until you're high again, which shows you it's synthetic. Right. And, and I, what you just said, I mean, the, the stats I shared, okay, whatever. But when you bring up that, it's like, well, there's the real evil of it. I, I, I hear the evil one in the garden saying, you know, uh, God wants to keep something from you. Yes. Come with me. You get the real life. You get, and someone just uh, texted in, um, how do you share this stuff with your kids? And it is hard to share with your kids. I mean, my, my, my own wife had, uh, I, I never smoked weed. She, she did before her conversion experience. And actually, as she was on the road to conversion, she gave up pot for Lent once. <laughs> she had no idea that there was a problem with it, such that she thought, well, Easter Sunday, we'll be fine again. Right. right. You know, just as a sacrifice. Um, but she had an experience that, that, that she, she felt like the evil opened up before. And I've heard this many times. It was God saying, you're, you're looking into an abyss here of synthetic joy, of synthetic peace, of synthetic fellowship. Step back. Mm. Step back from the abyss. It's it's hard to communicate that, though. I, mean, I could share with these stats. How do you, how do you um, give give a couple nuggets to parents who are like, I don't, I, yeah. I'm going to lose what he just said. Well, you can replay this to your kids, by the way. You you should do that. But yeah, what are a couple simple pointers? You wanna. This is what's hard is is that when you're living in a numbed way, you're not living a self reflective life. Mm -hmm. But the best question, and I think a very piercing question is, is why do you do it? And listening to the answer. Because you can locate why? any why of the- Why do you do that? Why would you want to do that? Why yeah. are you asking me this question, teenager? What is yeah. the good that you're looking for? Mm. What's the actual good? Now, what's hard is, is that if you're not living a self-reflective life, it's a penetrating question that you can't answer. Oftentimes, the very first thing people will say is pain relief. So, to have a conversation with anybody, if you're saying, okay, you can look at the intention, this is great, the part about St. Thomas. He says yeah. you can look at the intention, and now you have a bunch of different ways yeah. to actually discover what you're looking for. Well, I'm looking, so I, I, whatever the, that answer is, pain relief, that's a great one. Okay, well, what's the pain yeah. you're trying to relieve? Now, all of a sudden, you're having a real conversation. Yeah, right. 
I love that. I love that. Is it in your body? Is it in your soul? Is it in your mind? Is it in relationships? Is it in your money? Is it in, in social status? It is, okay, now all of a sudden you can talk to somebody and, and, and the weed may solve it. And then you can say, well, how, is the, it's, how does this help? Mm. What is this helping? Reflect on this. Look into your life. And, and this is no, hard to work on that. Right, yeah. right. Now we have a million ways that we can actually tackle yeah. that. Yeah. I, we got a great question. Is, is pot in moderation okay, like alcohol? And I knew that one was going to come in. Uh, and, and in fact, when they were fighting to legalize it in Colorado, it was all around, uh, well, we have alcohol, so therefore, and it, it was a straw man too. Because no, no one was, was saying, which one should we have? It was, this one's legal, and that's not changing. Should we add a drug to the scene? <laughs> what will the societal impact be of adding that drug to the scene? What will it do to the common good? Yeah. Those are the questions. Right. Um, but there, there is a profound difference between what alcohol does to you and what pot does to you, even in moderation. Uh, and that's the first, this is the, this is, you cannot fall into this trap to have the conversation. Okay. Hey, well, then why do you get to have a glass of wine and I can't right. have just a puff on a joint? Right. And I'm like, What's the why can't I take Oxycontin and you take Tylenol? Why can't I, or, or why can't I shoot heroin and you can drink coffee? Yeah. Let's actually, no, let's actually deal with things in and of themselves. Okay, well, what is the effect of CBD and THC and CBN and all of the, the, the cannabinoids that are existing within this? And let's look at their effects. We can look at things in themselves. If we're actually having a serious discussion, then what is the real effect of an actual drug on a person, not a metaphorical behavior? Mm. This and and so as soon as somebody Not says a subjective experience of right, dude, it doesn't really do anything to me. Okay, well, right. actually, it does. Yeah, I just use it to go to sleep. That's another huge yeah. one. So, <clears throat> yeah. so if we're gonna have a conversation, then let's actually look at things actually. Let's let's yeah. let's be people who can talk about. Okay, well, what is the uh, THC? What's its real effect on yeah. the person? What does this do? And let's talk about that. The the word psychotropic helps. Let me describe yes. this to people. Yes. You know, we, an al alcohol is a depressant. Right. So it can relax you in, in the right quantity, lubricate right. a conversation, make your, literally can be healthy, can make your steak taste better. And a, a psychotropic removes you from reality, which is what alcohol does at the end of the road, which is at the, when you cross that line, it becomes gravely sinful. Yes. And it, pot, by its nature, does that immediately, in the, in, in the subtle in, ways. Right, in the intention of the person. Right, yeah. You don't smoke a joint not to get high. Yeah, that's right. One puff, you say, I say light high. Okay, let's get light high. That's still an intention for intoxication. Mm. So you, so. Um, let's it, lightly alter my entire experience of reality, just a little bit. Right. Not I, just relax me. Right. I'm not going to be in touch with the thing. So that's it's like yeah. okay. Which this is the this is the hard part is I actually think that the effects of marijuana in the person are very similar to the effects of masturbation. Wow. In the sense that what masturbation promises, it says mm. you're gonna have communion, you're gonna be fine, you're gonna feel okay, but what it does is it draws you into your own secret world, huh. and that's the same thing that, that happens with marijuana. That You can say, I'm, I'm now in communion with another person, but it draws you into your own secret world because there's no way, yeah. you, a bunch of high people trying to talk to each other is a very embarrassing expression. <laughs> Dude, man, that was <laughs> yeah. fresh, man. Yeah. You're like, you're like we, yeah. we, we have, cultural humor to drop you on it because it's like what because right. it's the, and the humor is rooted in real experience you know and and you i mean again as far as the the uh, the depressant 
this helps me relax and focus on my steak. Frankly, it opens me up to reality a little more if I had just a little bit. The psychotropic makes that burger taste like the best piece of meat you've ever had, even though it's a dollar burger from McDonald's. This is, that's not reality. That's not real. And it's right. literally mockable. Yeah. Well, and this is where, okay, it, it, might be the wor it might be the best piece of meat you've ever eaten, but you might actually see the entire process of meat production in your mind and heart and say, what am I, am I in communion with the cow? And then I've yeah. become the cow. And like, now all of a sudden, it's like, uh, but this you have to have quite a lot of weed to start becoming the cow. But, right, exactly. <laughs> but which, it's the end of the road. Which is where yeah. I actually think that the, this is a really important part. I think that contemplation is the very best intention that you can apply mm. towards the uh, ingestion of marijuana. Mm. Contemplation. I want to know what is real. I want to become one with everything. I want to have communion. I want to have total transcendence and I want to have total imminence. I want to be in the flow of all of reality and experience that. Yeah. And, and that's where it's such a, it's such a, which is, I actually think is the highest intention of the soul. Mm. Our intention is for divine mm. communion. That's why it's so evil, frankly. <sighs> uh, someone asked about medical marijuana. We're not talking about, that's a whole different topic. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of legalized drugs for medicinal purposes that um, I, I still wouldn't recommend it. You know, if, uh, if there's other things you could take, well, there's a lot of things that, that, that are in marijuana that you, we don't even haven't figured out yet. So why not isolate one thing and take that for your illness? Right. And, um, but, and, and this is where, like, CBD is everywhere and it's a big anti-inflammatory. Right. And just, just CBD is not, it doesn't get you high. But this is, that's entirely different than the, the topic we're talking about. Right, and, and, I, and I just want to say that on a certain sense, we, we have to be a little wary mm. because um, uh, studies have shown that it is tributary towards full marijuana use, okay. is, is experiences of, of CBD. And so you have to be careful in your soul if, mm. you know, but this is also the hard part is, is that societally we have a medical mindset that says that drugs solve our problems. Yeah. And so the, the, this is coming out of something within um, culture that, that it, has, it has a hook into other parts. And that's, that's where mm. um, we, uh, we have to be careful because we are talking about the intentions of the heart and, and the goods that are existent within the mind. And, um, and you know, drugs don't solve and so, problems. Someone asked about uh, addiction and marijuana. Um, yeah, I think I think mo I think because of the the branding and the push to make it legal, people talk about how subtle it is, the subtle impact on you. It, it doesn't. You're so functional with it. I think it's one of the things that makes it evil. Actually, it, is it is it so functional? You know, if you're drinking too much, your body tells you the next morning. Yes. And you're smoking a lot of weed. And no, nothing's happening. You know, and that that's actually not a good thing. Right. There's no. There's not a lot of warning mechanisms built in. Um, and, you, the, and the amount of carcinogens that exist within right. marijuana smoke, and and then also just the whole gummy thing of just experiencing extreme amounts of intoxication for long periods of time. Yeah, like it's just a lot. Do, do you encounter students who are who have passed a, a point where they realize, oh, I can't do without this, where it's where it's addictive, and and I, I'm very disturbed. I've, I've tried to help people with this before. The, how few and far between uh, uh, marijuana anonymous meetings are to help people with this problem, which is a growing problem. What do you do when you encounter a student who's, who you think is addicted? Maybe they don't even know. Man, just yesterday, um, parish secretary came to me and she said, there's this guy at the parish and 
he's got his backpack and all these things. And he was one of my students a number of years ago. And um, we share a love for saltwater aquariums, one of my many other hobbies. And so <laughs> awesome. he's, he's like, come look at my saltwater aquarium. And I, and I sat there and I could smell the weed in his house. And, and he, but his aquarium was kept up. If anybody okay. does aquariums, they know there's a lot. Okay. So I walk down into the, the, uh, the parish and here's that same guy, sunburnt. He's been camping, he's homeless. Um, he, he lost everything because of this. Oh my gosh. And he was just coming around and I was like, dude, come to mass. I said, I said mm. experience the real thing. Mm. Like, like let go of, of this controlled mystical hook mm. that you're trying to experience and come to the real thing because the truth is, is that the people who live an authentic Catholic life who live a real interior life, a life of prayer, have 10 times more of an experience than anything of that, of mm -hmm. no matter how potent your stuff that you can buy is, it's seriously, it's a better life. Mm -hmm. But there is a drop where you say, help me, I, I have to fall into the hands of the living God mm -hmm. because, I, I, because it is a surrender, it's not controllable. And this is where I see everything. I see it on the, on the university, at the university, I see it um, with the LGBTQ movement. I see this with marijuana. It's all this experience of control. And that's why wow. surrender, our archbishop in, the, in Denver here, is, is he's just calling for surrender. He's sent thousands and thousands and thousands to the surrender novena because it's like, okay, Lord, I have to give my life to you. I have to give you some opportunity. I have to open that little, like, little door a little bit. I have to say, mm -hmm. like, I'm going to go to church, I guess even if I'm like lost and if somebody's lost here and they're, they're listening to this, literally just open your heart just a little bit. Mm. It's because it's, it's literally right there that the Lord wants to give you everything that you're trying to get for yourself. But he needs you to know that it comes from him so that you'll be in relationship with the loving God who made you, mm. who wants to put you back in touch with yourself, with your neighbor, with him and with everything that exists around you. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm, in my heart, chewing on that, that reflecting about control, right? We, we, we actually prefer the misery of addiction over an experience of reality that naturally would put you out of the driver's seat of your experience of reality and would take actual work at things like relationships, contemplation, peace, joy, but you're not in control of the process because you, you, you just jumped into a, a big pool of reality and you can't control it by rolling that joint and or whatever your addiction is, I'm not, and I'm, I'm, I'm not diminishing the fact that alcohol can destroy your life, or anything, right. that, any movement that you engage in and think, I'm in control here, actually ends up destroying you. I'm, yeah, I'm going to be okay if you use my pronouns. Yeah. Right? Like, we, we, we control all of these things, and, and, and when we start to do this around even the, the, this experience of marijuana, especially around this experience of marijuana, why is it so popular? It's because it is a very predictable experience. This is the part, hard part about our own sin, mm. is that we go to our sins for predictable experiences. Wow. I, I know exactly it's what- like fast food, man. It, <sighs> it can be horrible, but at least I know it's gonna taste the same. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that is, that's exactly it can right. It destroy my body, but it's gonna taste the same. Right. I don't know what I'm gonna get from that mom and pop place that's real where it's handcrafted by grandma. I don't know. What's gonna happen? Oh, buddy, I, we're out of time. You're coming back. Oh I man, so I love you too. Dude, I, oh. I, come to what's real, oh, right? Yes. This is where it's at.
Amen. Uh, amen. Hey, I love you guys. Amen. Thanks for joining God us in, in this whole real experience. Whew, thanks. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know. <laughs>